From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Oh, uh, oh, fresh out the bed. Oh, uh, oh, can out the dead. Oh, uh, oh, fresh out the bed. Uh, wake up. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, midseason grades. Jordan Travis busting out of a shell, but not the pocket, seemingly enough for a lot of us. And Corey and I handing out winners in our season-long competition. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com, the website, 2475 Appalachian Parkway, the physical address. Hope you folks enjoy trivia night. Don't forget later tonight, bingo night, 7 o'clock. Test your bingo skills, win drinks, prizes, and what else, Corey Clark? Uh, I think just prizes, but cash, $250 Mm. in cash, my man. Mm. Mm. That's big, everybody. That's big. Again, that's just winning one round. You could potentially, although the odds are against you, you could win all four rounds and win $1,000. Man, imagine that. Wouldn't it be something? Well, I think people would think the fix is in at some point and start really booing and throwing stuff. Good. I was about to say that. I think you probably want to be a popular person. I'm glad that people from CP would rise up and let their voice Well, I feel like it would be like if you win the lottery. You know, so if you win the Powerball, you're not maybe supposed to tell people right away. (laughs) Supposed to lay low, maybe put that ticket in a safe, get some financial advisors, and then come forward. Yeah. Uh, I think if you win the fourth straight round of bingo and call out bingo, and it's the same person, even if you've won that fourth round, don't call it out. <laughs> Hand it to somebody at another table and say, "I'll split it with you" or something. Like, don't just call it out because it's it's going to get ugly. Oh man. Corner Pocket, Bar and Grill, lunch specials Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., only $8.99 today. Cheesesteak sandwich, chicken or steak. Comes with a side dish of your choice, straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, coleslaw, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips. And Friday, 5 to 6 o'clock, Corey Clark, Jeff Cameron, on the clock, shaking hands, kissing babies, happy hour over doing, at – Doing uh, contests and giveaways. Yes, yes. Tom Lang will be there. I think I'll probably be, be there. Um, yes. Other dignitaries from the War Champ banner, TBA. TBA. Also, uh, live music at around 8, 8.30, Tom and the Cats. Mm. Uh, if you're a Tallahassee, if you're a Tallahassee native, you've probably heard of them. Uh, they'll, be on, uh, they'll be on the stage around 8 or 8.30. All right, there we go. Everything out of the way. Um, practice Wednesday. Same old, same old. Florida State just doing the thing, Corey. A um, couple notes I think I have here in my in my observation that don't get to see the light of day because my opinion uh, isn't worth keeping behind a paywall, y'all. But we'll talk about that on another show when I'm on a sofa talking to somebody else. Um, period three, they did this, Corey, down by two, no timeouts. Didn't see how much time was on the clock, which is an important part of this situation. But alas, I bring to you what I can. Uh, back-to-back gains, uh, three actually back-to-back-to-back gains. Uh, Ja'Kai, that guy Johnny twice, and then a, um, a catch by Rodney Hill was the last mustering of yardage. So they set up for a 54-yard field goal because they were down by two, Corey, as you know, as I said, oh. no timeouts. 54-yard field goal, Ryan Fitzgerald, good. Really? Good. 
could. I mean, it would have been good from 56, brother. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that's about right at the edge of his range. So that's cool that he made it. Good for him. Yeah, I'm being mildly sarcastic, but it would have been good from like two more yards. So, I mean, which, hey, man, it's, it's a, in a game of inches, two more yards. Uh, that's ample. That's, that's yep. plenty. Um, really nice catch in period nine during 11 on 11. Uh, a catch that was thrown behind him, I think, from Tate. Uh, but Kentron Portier was alive with the sound of music on Wednesday with that uh, catch uh, with a ball that was thrown behind him. And then later on, period 17, red zone, a corner fade. Tate puts it back there on the back pylon. And um, wasn't like you're necessarily like, you know, it wasn't off the three-yard line back corner fade. It was, you know, 10, 15 yards. So it was a little bit more on a rope, uh, kind of like the Johnny one against Louisville last year. Mm. We all remember that one. They came off yeah. the arm of Tate. Uh, but this time it was... Uh, Kentron Portier making a nice catch in the back there. Nato had a pick uh, in that period and, and looked quite uh, quite solid per usual. And Who Cal- is Nato? Uh, Renardo. Renardo Green. Renardo Green. Oh, you the, call him Nato? They call him. They, the, the, the team, the coach, they call him Nato. Yeah. I think his Twitter is even Nato. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So um, not quite Stingray in terms of <laughs> nicknames. Right. Yes, uh, correct. But alas, uh, one. And then the final, the final play before they take their snack break. It's just, <laughs> it's incredible how often they uh, make something out of nothing and convert when they're just completely dead to rights. Whether it's Jordan just having like two people breathing down his neck and even his Houdini ways probably wouldn't extricate him from that position, or him just throwing into gobs of traffic. Uh, last week it was. Keon coming down with the catch amidst the complete, you know, army of people in the end zone. Yesterday was Kyle Morlock with the catch. So okay, offense winning the day once again. Uh, good, good spirit, good energy from practice. Did ask Norvell afterwards about anything changing with Daryl Jackson. You can go listen to his interview. Uh, probably speaks more than me relaying it. But um, not happy, I guess, is probably the best way we could say it. Not happy and confused by the fact that their guy is still not eligible. Meanwhile, the guy in Chapel Hill is. So yeah, uh, this scenario, the saga continues. Corey, shall we proceed with the Renegade Express questions mailbag? Warchant.com. Yeah, I would also um, encourage people to go watch Jordan's interview. Um, mm. They we, we got, well, I didn't. We The, the Royal We yeah. uh, got Jordan Travis after practice on Wednesday, and I thought he was pretty uh, um, open about you know, his emotions and why he's been so visibly frustrated and, um, you, you know, I, I just the machinations of all that, what it means, how much better he thinks the offense can be. I thought for Jordan uh, – now, Jordan is a very nice kid, but he – you know, and I think he's got a lot of personality. He just doesn't like to show it to us. But I think it was a pretty insightful interview for him. So go and watch that when you can too. Yeah, unapologetic. Be yeah, unapologetic, yeah, which he, should, he shouldn't be at apologizing, really. Yeah, um, it, that was kind of funny. Just like, yeah, man, like I have emotions. Everybody, sorry, yeah. um, but he didn't say sorry because he's unapologetic about it. Everybody, but yeah, it's um, good to hear him. You know, and I asked him like the follow up about whether or not it's you know because he realizes like you know how good he is, how good this team can be, that he is taking things so much more to heart, and he kind of doubled down on saying that you know that that is mainly the reason why, but. Yeah, it's all coming from a good place, and I think everybody realizes that, so that's why it won't be a distraction. Um, despite looking weird to us at times, and now we know why, and he's explained himself, and yeah. on we move. We move on. First question, Noel Boyo, two, wake up. 
What past games atmosphere would y'all compare the Duke game to? I wish we would have gotten game day this week. It's going to be so awesome Saturday night. I just can't wait for it to get here. Tough, I really man. Think if, a tough if one to Duke compare. had beaten Notre Dame, you might have gotten it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ohio State, I just feel like that, those brands. Yeah, but it's out. also, uh, what's the, isn't that the Fox game? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I figured ESPN, and they're there. Fox is obviously there already, so I thought maybe ESPN would want to like pivot and do something different. Yeah. If if Duke was number nine or eight, and Florida State was number four, uh, there's a good chance they would have at least a you know better than ten percent chance they would have been in Tallahassee. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I think it'll be weirdly twenty-one Notre Dame. No. I'm going way back. Well, not way, way back. But it, it's not a great memory. Some people have probably already forgotten this game even existed. But um, 2008 Wake Forest. Mm. Now, the 2008 Florida State team was not as good as this one. Um, but the the similarities are uh, you, you came off the 07 season. Uh, I can't remember how that – oh, you came off the 07 season, uh, ponders your quarterback. You win your first two games by a million – uh, but they're against awful teams, but you're 2-0. and You're welcoming on Wake Forest, um, who had embarrassed you the last couple of years. They're coming to your house. You're ready for them. It's a primetime game. They've got their I, – I can't remember. Was it Riley Skinner? Probably, Was their yeah. quarterback forever? Yeah. Um, they've got a couple of really good defensive players. The Curry kid that was like a top-10 pick. Um, the cornerback that, that was really good. So it's a, it's a pretty good – it's a very good Wake team. And I just remember writing like – I don't know that Wake has ever been in an environment like this where they're going into like a frothing stadium ready for Wake Forest. Because two years ago, you had beaten them 30 to nothing in that state, same stadium. Then last year, you, the, the year before, you'd beat them on a Thursday night. Um, and so I, they were just like the, – the fan base was salivating, ready to win that game and finally beat Wake. And Wake is not used to walking into a stadium like that. And I thought that was going to be an advantage. And it was – but your offense turned it over, I think, seven times. I think Devontae Richardson and Ponder both threw three interceptions. You might have fumbled two. Uh, it was just a gross game. You lost 13-3, to three, I think. Like the 12, Wake offense, 12 was to it 12-3? Yeah. Um, the Wake offense didn't do anything, but your offense did much, much worse and turned it over a ton. Um, so I just remember that because it's not a team that you normally get riled up for. And it was a really good crowd. I think this will be uh, better than that. I just think – and I think both teams are better. These two teams this year are better than those two teams were that year. I just – it struck me the similarities of like a, a hungry crowd against a team that's not used to being the villain coming into a, a loud stadium, and uh, it did not play out the way Florida State fans wanted it to. But you also turned it over seven times, and I can promise you this. If you turn it over seven times on Saturday, you're going to lose that one too. 220 yards of total offense for the Knowles that day. Yeah, that's uh, rough. I was that was that right with the turnovers? Uh, five picks. Let me see. Fumbles oh lost. Florida State two fumbles. Two fumbles lost. Yep, seven. That's tough. Mm. That's tough. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm eighty six percent sure I was there for this game. I don't remember it being prime time, but you're right. It started. It started seven o'clock. Uh, but I remember because it was, it was nothing but field goals, and Florida State was still in it. Um, even after they made another late field goal, like yeah, they made it nine three. Like, hey, we can still win the game. Like, not only like tie, forget tying the game. Like, if we just get in the end zone, we can still beat them. 
Um, and then when they made it 12 to three, it was like, man, whatever, man, just you know, touchdown and an onside kick, yeah. like it just didn't give up. Uh, that's crazy. That, that, that look at your memory, man. I was yeah, I was there for this game. I don't remember it being at seven o'clock prime. But time, you also but anyway. made a point to go to that game. Like yeah. it was a big game yeah. in the in the context of that era of Florida State football, trying to get out of the malaise. Uh, I think this team is out of the malaise, and this is a big game, not because you're just trying to like beat a team that you want revenge against because Duke's never beaten you. It's because it's a huge game. It's a uh, it's a top 20 showdown. And I guess, did Elko say that uh, the chances are pretty good that Riley Leonard plays? No. I thought it, I saw that on Twitter. Well, Ira took umbrage with it, with me. Uh, our guy, Steve Wiseman, he actually sent me an email first thing in the morning on Wednesday, like, hey, man, actually, Coach Elko did talk about Riley at his radio show, and they sent me a link to his story. There was, in, in the story that you're referring to, they literally put in the headline, in quotes, good chance. But there was no quote from Mike Elko saying the words, good chance, back to back. Well, then so, that's uh, false. It's not advertising. Right. That's a horrible headline. Yeah. You don't put something in quotes unless it's been said. Yeah, no, he didn't. He just said, like, we think there's a chance uh, that he'll be ready. You know what? It wasn't. He didn't qualify by saying good, bad, or indifferent. He said, we think we have a chance to have him ready for the game. Saying, like, the main thing for them is, which sounded weird. Is like we don't want to we don't want to risk that ankle as if you know it's like a brain injury or something here. But just he's like if he cannot protect himself, we're not gonna we're not gonna play him. Um, which I think what you know, was what was wrong with uh, Van Dyke last year when they played? Was it his shoulder? I think it was. Yeah, I was like it was something upper body. Yeah, because I just remember him a couple of times, especially in the second half. Maybe they brought him in for a series, and he just crumpled as soon as he saw someone. Yeah. Like, just kind of got in the fetal position because he couldn't take a hit on the shoulder. And it's like, well, what are we doing here, man? This isn't fair to this kid. And I think that's what you mean by protecting. Yeah. Like, if he can't avoid pressure and he's going to wear it from verse or love it or stingray, uh, that's, you know, he can't move from side to side in the pocket. That's going to be really tough for him. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I mean, again, I, I would, I'd be. I'm convinced myself that they're going to probably save him because there's more on the line for them against Carolina, provided they can get by Louisville as well, um, which is next week for them. So, uh, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be electric and dope. It will be. So I guess the real answer is probably 21 Notre Dame. I don't even think is real because. Florida State fans were excited about it, but you were just coming off the COVID season. I think most people walked into that stadium like, let's just not get embarrassed. Let's keep it close. Uh, no. Let's see what this looks like. I Truly, Notre Dame was top ten. You were coming off three and six. Um, and then it, the way that fourth quarter went when McKenzie coming in the game, it did get electric. Um, but it looked like it was going to be a blowout there for the first two and a half quarters. This is different. This is real expectations and uh, a, a real chance to go play for a championship. I just think it's going to be because of the, the team not being good for the last seven or eight years – it's going to be something unlike we've seen probably since, I mean, really, maybe Notre Dame in 14. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. Bourbon is your friend. It's Dave. It's Bardstown, Kentucky, y'all. Halloween's coming up. My question for each of you. Well, let's go to the – he's got two jokes and a non-related question, so just staying on brand. We love it. <laughs> um, was there a candy you liked as a kid or even to this day that everyone else thought was disgusting? Mine, Dave says, was circus peanuts. Will Ugh. either of you? Will either Are of those you be, the pink things or the I orange think, things? Yeah, yeah, those. Oh like, yeah, god! I don't think I've ever even 
they're so unsightly. I don't think I've even adventured to try one of those things. I think I ate them when I was like six or seven, and even then I was like, this this can't be good for me. Yeah. This this what is this? What am I eating like uh, asbestos? <laughs> like what what is this that they're putting in a bag and making me eat? <laughs> Uh, will either of you be handing out candy, Aslan? You strike me as a box of raisins guy. Uh, no, man, I'm still I'm still traumatized from my one year of handing out candy in Tallahassee. I just I never handed out candy before, like, cause I'd always be out myself, or I was, you know, like a bachelor in Montana in, in, a, in an apartment complex. Um, but yeah, man, you kids, like you 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 folks, got to get your kids just to you know gently, gentlemanly reach into the box and or the bowl and just grab one or two items like just i don't know I, I i can't describe it was a very very traumatizing night for me but no i will not be handing out candy i like candy corn still like candy corn not going to apologize not out there hunting Corey, for for candy corn not saying bring all your candy corn to me right but if i see candy corn I'm like yeah yeah why not why not i'll do uh, some candy corn yeah no i'm there's i'm not a big sweets person anyway so my the only things i really eat or did eat, I don't really eat them anymore, was Reese's. Of and course. I think everybody's on board with Reese's. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I don't have any, like, crazy candy fetishes. <laughs> and I don't give away candy either. I turn my what? lights off. Oh. No, no, I don't. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a bachelor. Yeah. I'm a bachelor. I'm turning my lights off. Well, for only one more year. That's right. That's right. Then and I'm going to be one of those weird Halloween <laughs> people that dress up like a ghost or a witch or something and uh. try to scare kids. I know I, I've got the ring doorbell. Maybe I should just like leave a table with just like candy bars and be like, "Take one, I can see you." And then when it's over, it's over, and then I'll just keep it moving. Um, okay. But we'll see. Anywho, speaking of fetishes, did Jared Verse increase his production the last two games because he heard Corey say Josh Kando was a disappointment in the sack a couple of years ago, and he didn't want that said about him? Mm. Uh, second joke from Dave, uh, trying out his new. Uh, Across the country routine here <laughs> is number six set for a behemoth game this week mm. instead of behemoth. Okay, I, hey, yeah. I like that one. That yeah. one's good. I don't remember the bat in the sack, uh, Josh Kando yeah. uh, reference. Uh, yeah, I don't mind that one. The uh, behe- the behemoth. Yeah, behemoth. Come on now, that's not a bad nickname. It's, I, not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, spe- I can't believe I didn't think of it. I actually feel I'm upset because I'm, I'm, I've been concentrating so much on the last name. How did I not come up with Jehemoth? Oh, boy. Dave, you, you bested me. Uh, speaking of things that people don't forget, uh, this guy followed me on Twitter to, to vent about this. and he, He's vented twice, and uh, he brought it up again. And I was like, did, did Corey say it again? He says, no, I was just losing my mind screaming at my Spotify when I heard whatever episode it was months ago. And it was you referencing the alley-oop uh, heat photo with, like, LeBron staring – or Dwayne D- Wade staring off into the distance while LeBron was, like, throwing it down in the background. Yeah. Really nice photo. I guess it was not an alley-oop. And heat culture wants us to acknowledge that it was not a alley-oop. So, oh, it, but it was a pass. So it must have been a behind-the-back no-look, like a no-look, just drop it off, LeBron go get it. Oh. It must have been like because it's it's from Dwayne Wade. There'd be no reason for him to be holding his hands up where he is under the basket unless he passed it to him. Uh, but either way, that's semantics. But I apologize. I apologize. It must be awful being a Miami Heat fan. This Atlanta Hawks fan truly does apologize for the uh, pain I've caused you Ooh. from having to 
lament me not remembering two of the best players that ever lived on a connection in one of your championship years. I apologize. That's all. During a 27-game winning streak, again, that's all on me. I don't know how I can ever repay this mistake, but I apologize. The Hawks have never made the NBA Finals. And my football team had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. I apologize that I've confused a behind-the-back pass with an alley-oop. Bradley Moss. I hope you keep Tyler Hero for 12 years and you keep getting bounced in the second round forever. (laughs) Oh, uh, salty Corey Clark, so underrated. (laughs) Such an underrated addition to the show. Bradley Moss. I said all that with love. Uh, It's a a, a loyal subscriber. I was just kidding. Uh, Wake up. Bradley Moss says, what are your guys' midseason grades by position group? Oh, wow. Um, now that we're on to the back half of our schedule with some big games coming up, any concerns going forward with Norvell play calling and Jordan's decision-making, especially in crucial situations, feels like we can't afford to make those mistakes against some of the better teams that we'll face, like Duke, Miami, Florida, and whoever in the ACC championship game. Your thoughts. Thanks, fellas, and as always, go Knowles. I would say defensive line A, mm-hmm. uh, linebackers, I don't know, B, yeah. B minus. Uh, mm-hmm. Secondary, well, let's do cornerbacks. Cornerbacks A, uh, Renardo's mm-hmm. been exceptional. Mm-hmm. Azaria's been good. Fentrell's had some tough moments, but none of them, knock on wood, are just getting blown past for wide open touchdowns. The cornerbacks are playing solid. The safeties I would give, again, I don't know, a B minus. Um. It's, you know, but that's, I don't know what their ceiling is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the defensive line and the corners have played up to their ceiling, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Linebackers know, too, right? Man, I mean, like. I guess, yeah, but they're not, the- they're not, it's hard to give them an A. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they, they've been, they've been, you know, you know not bad. They won which you is one what game. you're hoping for. And yeah, they won you one game. They did, that's true. Um, quarterback. A, B plus. Okay, all right, I like that. My man has one turnover in six games. You know, he's not making horrible, horrible decisions. He's a what? One turnover in six games, and that was like the 11th pass of the year. Like he, he, I don't know how many passes he's thrown without one. I I, clearly, I know I'm jinxing it right now, folks. But uh, he has gone essentially five and a half games without a turnover. That that's that's very uncommon, and it should be uh, appreciated. Um, Receivers. You know, it's really just two of them, but A, no. offensive line, B minus, C plus. Hmm. Running backs? B. Hmm. I almost want to say C on the running backs, but I'll, we'll go with B. I'll, that's fine. I'm fine with the grading on that. Uh, Jordan has attempted... What a weird system they have here on ESPN.com. 182 throws. So he's gone like, what, like 170? I would guess. Whenever LSU fumbled that punt and then he threw a pick on the very next play, that was in the second quarter, I think. Um, So, yeah, I would think he'd thrown maybe 11 or 12 passes up to that point. So, yeah, probably somewhere around there, 165, 170. And he's still taking chances, though. It's not like he's just being complete game manager, taking the air out of the ball thing, but – He's not Kirk Cousin at it, just four right. yards here, four, third and eight, he's going to throw it two mm-hmm. yards. He's not doing that. Yeah. Um, concerns going forward with Norvell's play calling or Jordan's decision-making in crucial situations. Uh, 
that's I don't I don't have really um, concerns with Jordan's decision making. I just have just hoping he can get through these next eight nine weeks most likely. I mean, you're gonna play nine games back to back to back to back. You know, if you make it to Charlotte, they can just stay healthy. That's my concern. I think he has a good feel for the offense and. You know, I don't know if they're going to be in any games where he's going to feel really big pressure in the fourth quarter to, to maybe force something or get out of sorts. I, and Norvell's play calling, man, just – I don't know. if I think if we watch – I think every, any other fan base probably has the same gripes with their – whoever's their play caller, either going from a fourth down or getting too cute on here or there. Uh, it's something to me that's been egregious or makes you feel uh, that he's holding you back. So I don't. It's also I don't it's so weird to talk about play calling in this day and age because so many plays have multiple variations off the call. Hmm. So you know you can look at a, I think it might have been the Trey Benson uh, touch the long touchdown run he had against Vatek, the last one, hmm. um, where he you can see the receivers out wide as Jordan Travis is handing the ball to to Benson. I think it's this play. It's a play where they were running around right edge where the two receivers are preparing for a screen pass out to the left. And then Jordan can either keep the ball. So it's a triple option. He either hands it to Benson, he runs it himself, or he throws it out wide to a wide receiver. Well, there's variations of that on every play. So sometimes that play is called and say he Travis throws, like, was that a great play call? Or was it a great decision by your quarterback to hand it off? Right. Like you know what? I, like there's, it's not just okay. It's third and six. Drop back. These are this is what your Z is doing. This is what your X is doing. Like it's that you've got variations and alternatives off every single play call. It seems. Um, that said, what he did in the red zone Saturday wasn't great. Clean that up, Mike. I just don't. I don't know, man. I get it. I understand. That's fair. Like it's so anticipate him. And I know you're like, hey, man. Like you, you. You're not coaching against the opponent. You're coaching with what you have and, and that sort of stuff. I just don't think if he finds himself in a similar situation, although it's, it's hard to say a similar situation because that's the whole reason why he wouldn't do the same thing because it would not be a lousy offense that has no shot to move the ball more than like 30 consecutive yards against your defense. So, yeah, yeah you can go for it. And Maybe. also think uh, it always needs to be pointed out, I always want to point this out, is that quarterbacks have to make so many more decisions now than they do, than they ever did. Like back when Casey Weldon was playing, or even when Jameis was playing, man, like it wasn't, you know, this is a running play. You were going to hand the ball off to Devontae Freeman right here. Now, if you see something crazy, you can do a hot route, you can switch it, but by and large, this is an off-tackle run by Devontae Freeman. Jordan Travis doesn't have that luxury, man. He is always reading the edge to see if he should keep the ball. He's always looking out wide to see if he's got numbers out wide to throw a screen or where the numbers are to give the ball to the running back. Like, it's just every play. Hmm. There's an, It's not just, okay, I'm passing on this down, it's third and eight. Every first and second down play where he's – where he it's, it's you know what I mean? Not everyone, but a lot of them, he, he doesn't get a playoff to just be like, here, man, here's a toss sweep. Come back to me in 40 seconds, we'll have another play. Like, he just – it's so much – for, and not, this isn't a Jordan-specific thing. It's it's all these offenses. The quarterback has to make so many decisions. The point being, they're going to make some bad ones. You're not going to go perfect. You're not perfect. You're not going to make a perfect read every time. Uh, but he makes the be- he makes the right read way more often than he doesn't. Mm. Vibeenergy.com, making the day right more often than not. Always, some might say. I say that. Findamerigy.com, promo code WordChamp, BOGO, B-O-G-O. Buy one, get one free. 
How about Vitamin Energy Mood Plus? Promotes positive mood. Some might say happiness. It's been clinically tested and proven uh, to better your mood. Go figure. Who would have thought? 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine, lemon balm extract, passion flower extract, chamomile flower. I mean, just saying chamomile does not just put you in a better state of mind. Just imagine actually consuming chamomile. Relaxes you. Makes you feel good and happy. Tropical berry flavor, delicious. 12 of them in a box. Buy one, get one free. You can get the variety pack. It'll have Mood Plus. It'll have Workout Plus. It'll have Focus Plus. All of them in one box. You can buy one and get one free when you use the promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, B-O-G-O. Shake it and take it. Energy with benefits. VitaminEnergy.com. Corey, um, I will bring Vitamin Energy. Work on your, your reaction time. I will be off camera when you're doing the Vitamin Energy War Chant rap with Ira. Uh, if you're not wearing Vitamin Energy branded apparel, and I'll just I'll be throwing shots at you throughout the the program. Oh, product, nice! That's for product fun. placement. I wouldn't mind you throwing me one in the middle of it, and I can just take my sh- a shirt, and I'll just take my shirt off that I'm wearing and put that one on. Oh, oh, okay. How about right. that? Something for everyone. Like that. Vitaminergy.com. Shaking and take it, y'all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's pick it up, man. We've barely gone. I mean, we only have I, – I shut it off early, too, but uh, we, we really – what did we stretch on? Really stretch on that crowd question. Wow, that was like yeah, seven yeah. minutes. Jaronol, uh, 1518, wake up, happy Duke hate week. That sentence sounds weird to say, at least yeah. in football. <laughs> right. In the spirit of Duke hate week, here's the most disrespectful football Duke question I could come up with. What's higher – the number of first and second round picks Florida State will have in the 2024 NFL Draft or the number of completions Duke had against NC State last week, which, in case you don't remember, was four. I'm going to – well, you could have come up with a much more disrespectful question than that hey. because this Duke team is actually good. <laughs> I thought you were going to, like, go back in, over the years. The fact that they've – I think they've 0-21 against Florida State all time. Um I don't know. So Keon and Verse are definites. Yes. Is Johnny? I think Johnny would be. But I'm a big Johnny Wilson fan. I think you look at that size and the way he separates. Um, and the fact that he can make tough catches over the middle. That he would be something that uh, coaches would want. Um, he's not dynamic speed, but man, he has a way of separating from these guys. I would say Johnny. Anybody else? I don't know, man. I don't I don't think Trey any longer is in that sort of cusp of being a second round pick, even if he is like I don't know if he'll be the number one running back. Jaheem? Ah. Jahe- the Jahemoth? I mean second. Jaheem could be close, man, I think. Just because he's so versatile and he can do a lot of things, he's physical. He's got that. He's got athleticism and wheels. He's a tough kid. He just seems like a football player. 
He's the guy that you could see play in the league for a decade. But I don't know if he's a second-round guy. I think for sure you only have two. I mean, last year, they went on a run. My gosh. Uh, five in the second round and then a first-rounder, the Dalton, the kid out of Utah that went to Buffalo, Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid. Um I mean, if that's the norm, man, if six guys get drafted in the first two rounds from tight end, then yeah, I would then I would put there. Jaheim in there. Uh, yeah. And then how about push? I'll do a push. Okay. I'll go, I'll go four. I was going to go under, but good points made. Good points made. Also interesting what happens with Renardo. I think Renardo's a draft pick. Mm. Um, I don't know how high he goes. I don't know what he's going to test at the Combine. I know that he is, uh, at least for the last year and a half, has been a pretty doggone elite college cornerback. Um, but I don't know how that tracks to the next level. So I'll say, I'll say Duke four to three on this one. Okay. Yeah, I wonder. Except trying, you know, Asante went second round, but he had so much more buzz. It felt like at least at this part of the uh, that year of twenty twenty than Renardo has right now, but. Um, you know, maybe he shuts down Miami's receivers. Maybe then that'll start really picking up uh, his stock. Uh, but, yeah, curious to see how it goes. Uh, nonetheless, he's, he's had a great season. Keep it up. Keep it up, Nato. Blue Knoll, wake up, then go back to sleep so you can wake up again. Love the show. My questions, plural. Do you think if Keon Coleman has more big games like he did last Saturday, he can be in the Heisman conversation? No, I don't think so. I don't know why. No, he- because he's not is he's not the best receiver in the country. You know what I mean? Like the he's kid at Ohio as. State. He's not viewed yeah. as, yeah. Well, and I don't think he is. He's really good. I just think the Harrison kid's like a next level kid, um, even a, a tier above Keon Coleman. So, uh, no, I, I just don't. I don't think so. And you don't win the Heisman by going off against Syracuse. Now, if he has another big game against Miami, if he goes and treats Florida like he treated LSU and he ends up with, I don't know, man, 16 or 17 touchdowns, I guess there's a shot. But I can't imagine him winning it. He Maybe he could get himself an invite to New York. Or maybe a Florida State player could actually win the Blitnikoff for once. Mm. Mm. Blue uh, Blue says, I don't know why he isn't already considered or in the conversation. He's shown up and showed out in the big games, LSU, Clemson, plus what he did against Syracuse, not only as a receiver but a punt returner. In other words, why not Keon Coleman for Heisman if he keeps up that pace? If he has two more games where he goes crazy returning punts, maybe? Like, that's that's the wild card. I think I think it's still going to be these dips in production the rest of the way, catching the football just because of whatever the game dictates. But, yeah, if he does some punt return, special team stuff, maybe that puts him back in, the, in that sort of uh, thick of it. Uh, second question in regards to Jordan Travis. Do you think he's lost some balance to his game? Quotations around balance. In other words, he used to run a lot. Now he's swung the other way and seems to just in the pocket a little too long sometimes, waiting for somebody to come open. It's almost like he's being a little bit stubborn about it. The blindside hit versus Syracuse, perfect example. I would like to see him at least climb in the pocket when pressure comes. If not, take off altogether. Thanks, guys. Go Knowles. I don't disagree with anything there. No, I don't either. I just think, you know, I just remember two years ago, um, the talk was, and it was good. I mean, it was fair talk. It was the right talk that he wasn't a real quarterback in the sense that he, if the first progression wasn't open or the second progression wasn't open, he was just supposed to take off. 
He was a he was a running quarterback. He was a running back that could throw essentially. Um, and look at the North Carolina game. He made some great throws in that game. He threw it like twelve times in the tw- in the twenty twenty one game. The reason that his legs were he ran for like one hundred and fifty yards. He had the fifty yard touchdown. That was who we thought Jordan Travis was was a kid that could make play with his legs, but didn't see it well. Didn't really have a great pocket presence. Didn't use the middle of the field. And then all of a sudden, he turned himself into a quote-unquote real quarterback where he does all those things. He does go through the progressions. He does throw it to the open guy. He does see the field. And now I we want to see the marriage of the two, right? Yes. But if you're going to be one or the other, clearly the guy that was there in 2021, that was not a good offense. The guy that's here in 2023 is running a very good offense. So this is the ideal one you would settle for, but I get the frustration that why why can't it be both? But think of all the times he has made like I I think two years ago, and it's because of the offensive line too. But two years ago, he never makes that throw to Keon down the sideline for the fifty yard touchdown. He just he would have taken off. Now he stood in there. He did what a quarterback's supposed to do. He wore a hit, and he lofted a perfect throw for a fifty three yard touchdown instead of an eleven yard run. And then now you got to go get three more first downs and hope you can score in the red zone. So, by and large, it's working. I am very interested in what it looks like this week against an elite defense and what it looks like against Miami and Florida. Because I, I do think it could do worlds of good for everyone, especially on third down, if he scrambled for a, for a couple of first downs. You know what I mean? And if he could just show the world, look, remember this? I can run for 90 yards if I want to in a game. I've done it. He's run for over 100 yards like four or five times in games. So it would be nice to see that. But if you had to pick the two, I think you would want this one. And I feel like Jordan might throw up his hands and be like, what do you all want me to do? I was getting grief for running too much. Now I'm getting grief for passing too much. Meanwhile, we're 6-0 and number four in the country with me passing too much. And our offense is averaging 42 points a game. That said, his legs will be a part, a very big part of a game moving forward. And if you look at last year, as I know we got to get moving, it's not like his legs won them a lot of games last year. You could make an argument, uh, Florida? Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah that was it. So he, made, oh, he, had a, he had a really long run against NC State, uh, which they didn't win. And he had a lot, he had a touchdown run against Clemson, which they didn't win. But the games they won, it was his arm. And his legs won you the Florida game because he did a, a bunch of spinny do's and, and got out of sacks. Bad Knoll, uh, I want to keep it here because this, this is going to be kind of my answer, but we just touched upon, which is fine. Wake up, fellas, going back to the Halloween theme. I remember back in the day watching a segment on ESPN titled The Top 10 Scariest Things in the NFL. Number one was punting to Deion Sanders. Mm. Anyways, if you could name the scariest thing about this team, what would you say? Deep ball to Keon, running up the middle into the teeth of this defense. Thanks and go Knowles. Yeah, I think for me it's it's that kid. It's 13 in the open field. It's him deciding, okay, I'm done with this. I'm running now. And that, that's that's the scariest thing. Okay. I would say the first, the, 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 the Keon, Keon, deep ball to Keon, deep ball to Johnny. Um, just having your corners having to match up with those guys, um, at least for those two cornerbacks, is not a fun thought. That's a bit of a nightmare. 
but yeah, you're right. I, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't think you're right, but it's a good answer. <laughs> Jordan in the open field is scary. Uh, I want to see that again. I want to see him make a run where he doesn't go down as soon as there's a guy near him because he can make a guy miss. He can make two guys miss. I want to see that guy again uh, at some point soon. You know, a play, I think I mentioned it a couple of days ago. That, again, Jordan Travis, two years ago, the throw he made to Jaheim, where he scrambles to his right and then kind of throws back to his left real quick, and Jaheim's not even open, but he kind of throws it over his left, over Jaheim's right shoulder and spins him into the open field, and it's a 35-yard gain. There's no way Travis does that last, two years ago. There's just no way. He runs for two yards and gets out of bounds or slides or takes a needless hit. Instead, he did scramble outside of pressure. He's still doing that, uh, not as much as he used to. And his legs, his legs, got you 35 yards. It just wasn't his run. So he's just like those Southern Miss plays he had. By the way, holy moly, is that an awful football team. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway. Cajun Knoll, this isn't your daddy's Duke. They've got playmakers and a badass defense. They haven't gone against the Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson duo yet, though. So, do you think this game will come down to who has more passing yards in the end? I mean, I would. If Florida State doesn't have more passing yards, you're losing this game. Yeah, I think. I, I don't think Duke necessarily needs to have more passing yards to win the game. I think Florida State does. Like, if they get out, if they get outgained in the air by Duke especially a hobbled Riley Leonard or a kid making a second or third start, whatever it would be, that would be really bad news. That would be very surprising. I think Florida State's going to win the passing battle, but that's not where – I don't think that's where this game comes down to. Quite honestly, it's probably the rushing yards, right? Yeah. Like if you can run on – you know you're going to throw the ball. Uh, You might make some mistakes. You might have a turnover or two. It's a really good defense. But you're going to put up some yards to the air because you always do. If you can run on this defense and make them have to kind of crowd it in the middle, kind of bring those safeties up a little bit, you're going to have – it doesn't matter. You're going to put up points and yards. You, If you can establish some dominance on the line of scrimmage, which is a big if because this Duke front can play, um, you're going you're gonna to win the game. And if Duke uh, – conversely, if Duke can run against you, which I don't expect them to, but if they can, well, that's how they pull off the upset. Because if they become one-dimensional, like almost every other team has had to be against this team, uh, that's bad news for Duke. But if they can establish some sort of run game, if they can kind of control the line of scrimmage, if the referees let them get away with some holds, um, you, you, they'll, they'll have a chance. Uh, bigger picture with this Duke game. Let's go to this one. Our guy down in Naples, Mark M. Adam CZ. Wake up! To echo the discussion from headlines, I think the crowd and environment on Saturday will be worth at least seven points. Hmm. Duke's got the one road game at UConn, which, dare I say, is not exactly a packed Doak Campbell on a Saturday night. It's Doak North. Mm. And, yes, Duke's defense is solid and well-coached, but I don't see how they can account for Johnny Keon and Jaheim, Trey and our other playmakers for four quarters. And heavens to Betsy, if Jordan decides to pull it and run on occasion, Duke won't have enough answers. I think the key to winning the game is depth and stamina. Mike's efforts in building a roster that is better than Duke's when you get to the second and third deep, uh, or to – two and three deep, rather, and a roster that's built by storms. I think we flat out wear them down with depth, strength, and athleticism by the start of the fourth, hopefully earlier. Go Knowles are going to make a statement on Saturday night. There you go, Mark. Always positive. 
That's right. Old Mark from Naples. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really disagree with any of that. That that all. I mean, I'm not saying that will happen. I'm not as confident as Mark, but that's those are all definite possibilities. Like Duke has not seen. You know, can you read off the schedule of the teams they played? I mean, it's Clemson. It's Clemson, Notre Dame, UConn, NC State, Lafayette, Northwestern. Nothing. No discredit to those teams. Who has the best offense of that bunch? Clemson? Like, I, Notre Dame couldn't score on Duke, but Notre Dame couldn't score on Ohio State. They scored one touchdown at home. Um, I don't know that Notre Dame has a very good offense. Uh, they certainly don't have the receivers that Florida State does. And Clemson doesn't either. Like, they haven't faced – Florida State has faced a similar defense to this in Clemson. Probably a more talented defense, not a better defense, but Clemson has more, like, let's say, elite NFL talent than than Duke does. Duke is just extremely well coached, and they're talented. They're not just a bunch of smart kids that are coached well. They're, talent, they're talented football players. But Florida State has faced a similar defense to this. Uh, they didn't play that defense great. They essentially scored 17 points in regulation, but they've seen this before. They are used to this. They will not be shocked by what they see. There is a chance that Duke, it could be a kind of welcome to reality moment for Duke because they have seen nothing like this. Like they got Clemson and a quarterback on their first game of the season, and they still gave up 440 yards in that game. They just were very opportunistic in the red zone. But they have not seen anything like this. So that's what you hope that that, uh, they're just not ready for it. They'll be well coached. They'll be in the right spot. But they just might not have a guy that can stay in front of Keon or Jaheim or Johnny. Or they can tackle Trey in the open field. Or like you said, if if Jordan Travis gets on the edge, maybe that becomes, instead of a seven-yard run, a 50-yard touchdown. Like they just might – they have not seen a collection of talent like this before. And if Florida State plays well on offense, they're not going to score 50, but they'll score 30, and that should be enough to win the game. Candy Knoll, wake up. Super excited for the game Saturday night. I'm excited for the team to get to play in what I'm betting is an electric stadium. Lots of comments about the interesting rotations Coach Norvell has used throughout the season and the large number of snaps the backups have played. Which, quote, long game do you think this most benefits? A, keeping players fresh to wear an opposing team out by the fourth quarter. B, keeping players healthy for January. Or C, getting youngsters playing time to avoid them or rather avoid losing them to the transfer portal. Thanks and go Knowles. I'll go with B. I think this what is all was about a? What was A? Wear teams out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's a good one too though. Yeah, it ain't wrong. Uh, I mean, They're I think, all right. Yeah. But what it's is it just... most benefit? What is the long game most benefit? I think it's being ready, being good in December you know, and then being ready to go in January. I, I don't disagree. I would say that, you know, we talked about this on headlines a little bit. Jeff was lamenting that, you know, Fabian Lovett only played 19 snaps. And I'm kind of starting to get on board with that too. Like, there's going to be a game where you're going to need your best guys out there. And it's nice that you give them, you know, I don't know what verse played in that game, 35 snaps. There might be a game, maybe in the Swamp, maybe in Charlotte, where you might want Jared Burst out there for 60 snaps. Can he do it? Because he hasn't really done it this year. So 
will his body be able to hold? Will he be just completely exhausted after snap number 42 because he's not used to playing that many snaps? Like, I would, I would like to start them, see them start, at least in a game like this, a big game. I want Fabian Lovett out there more than Stingray. I love you, Malcolm Ray. But you're not as good as Fabian Lovett, man. So I want to see Fabian Lovett play more. I want Jared Burst to be on the field much more than I want to see Gilbert Edmond because he's a better player. And, I, and you're going to need your best players on the field at certain moments in this game, but in other games down the road. And if Jared Burst is exhausted because, hey, Jared, we only got a three-point lead in the swamp. There's six minutes left. I know you've played 58 snaps. If he, if he can't go, and I'm not saying he'd say, no, I'm sitting out. I'm just saying his body isn't used to it. You're not getting the same Jared Burst that you need. Um, so I'd like to see them ramp up their uh, – it's like uh, spring training, right? Like the pitchers in spring training, they'll throw three innings. They'll throw 41 pitches. Then the next start, they're throwing 60. Then the, their final start of the spring training, they're throwing 65 pitches. And their first start of the season, they're throwing 80. It's all in an attempt by June, the middle of the season, they can throw 100 pitches, 110 pitches, and not feel taxed. Well, I want to see them start ramping it up with the defensive line a little bit. Oh, hmm. uh, who we got? I didn't next? answer the question, but I took a time to, you know, mention that. Mm. Appreciate it. She does as well, Candy, I'm sure. Geo Noel, wake up. Hello, my favorite podcast crew. Aslan, you have to take this game very, very seriously because of their defense. This reminds me of when the ACC started to catch up with us in the mid-90s. Did they? Mid-2010s. They caught up to us, Gio, right? Anyhow, I hope we go in and play great for 60 minutes and win. My question for the both of you is, do you all think that Hakeem and Destin could be our solid third and fourth receivers in the rotation? Thank you for all you do. Great job as always. Best podcast on the beat. Heart emoji, 100 emoji. Amen, brother. I would say I'm really looking forward to what they do with Hakeem this week. I, I mentioned the Rashad Green play his first time on the field against Charleston Southern. By the way, thank you for pass. correcting me. Sorry, Hakeem. I said Hakeem. Hakeem, my bad. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, it's all right. Carry, uh, carry. But, but, but Rashad taking that pass for a touchdown against whoever it was, Charleston Southern, um, and then uh, – or Chattanooga, I can't remember – and then the next time he was on the field, I think, was the Oklahoma game, and he makes that remarkable catch. And then he becomes your best receiver for essentially the next four years. Um, I'm, I, I want to see how, how Hakeem builds off that. Uh, like, will he make a play in this game? Because I think he'll be on the field some. I think he's starting – though plays like that, you just can't – you can't understand or express what it means to do it. Even in a 34-3 game against a team that has quit, was ready to get on the plane. To do it in the stadium in front of people in a game where it counts and now you have a highlight film and the ACC Digital Network is tweeting out your score, you, you feel like, okay, you belong. You've done something. And how that builds the confidence in you and how about that builds the confidence in the team around you, that I, I'm, I'm really interested in Hakeem the second half of this season. Because I could see a scenario where, like, maybe he's getting more run than 88 by the end of the year especially if 88 can't get back into the swing of things and can't get fully healthy. Um, I, I, because, man, that, that tool bag that, that number eight has is, uh, is you know, that's, it's real. And it's, you know, he won't, he'll be a, uh, he'll have 10 or 11 games under his belt by the time they get to the swamp. Like, he could be a real weapon for this team uh, the second half of this season. I think a, just a single play like that could be a spark. Hmm. 
I don't know. Yeah, but we'll see to answer your question. I do think it's nice to know that you're going to have Hakeem and Destin next year. Those mm. guys are the truth, man. They're going to be really big-time players for this program, I think. Let's get to it. MyBookie.ag. It's Thursday. It's time for Corey and Aslan to resume their year-long war they're waging. Um, actually, we shouldn't use that word. That's a strong word. It's happening in the world right now. They're mm. friendly competition. Uh, when it comes to picking college football games, go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code WordChant. You'll get an instant cash deposit bonus uh, based on a percentage of the amount that you deposit when you sign up for the first time. Didn't do a lot of research on this one, Corey, so uh, going to shoot a lot from the hip here. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anyone? Do you want to go first? I'll defer if you got any in mind or, or certain games you want me to call out or the ones you already know that you want to put on the record. No, no, you go ahead. I'm going to look them up right now. I'm going to see if anything catches my eye. Man, this one is – there's two reckless ones. Um, and we're going to stick with two or are we doing three? I'll give you guys a bonus one. I'll give you guys a bonus Okay, one. all right. Um, my God, I just feel like – I think North Carolina is going to be – I don't know, maybe body blow? I don't want to call it, give mine that much credit. My, Virginia is getting 23-and-a-half uh, against North Carolina. Maybe North Carolina's flying a little too high. Cavs keep it. In the low 20s, the low, low 20s. Uh, so I'm going to take Virginia plus 23 and a half in Chapel Hill. I'm going to take the over under my children fighting in Auburn. Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin. Lane was supposed to go to Auburn, decided not to. Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss at one point, no longer. I'm going to go over. I think both guys are going to bring their best offensively, and those defenses will just kind of be along for the ride. So I'm going to go uh, Virginia on the road or at home. No, they're on the road, plus 23 and a half, and the over 56 and a half, Auburn and Ole Miss. Okay, I've got – I just had one. Oh, you know what? I like Penn State getting the four and a half Ooh. against Ohio State. I think they're due. Okay. They have not won a big game since Franklin's been there. This is a very good team. I think it's the best team he's had. I don't think this Ohio State team is a typical Ohio State team. I think they're ripe. Um, I think if not now, win James Franklin. And I think them getting four and a half, I, I just think that they're going to win the game outright. So I like Penn State, but I'll take the four and a half just to be safe. And then I had the other one. Let's see here. I like UCF Oklahoma. No, no, no. I'm going to go, what's Missouri, South Carolina? What, what do you got that line at? Uh, what do we have it over here at my bookie? We have it at, oh, they don't have it on the board right now. Oh, okay. Well, great. What is that about? Get it together, my bookie. Come on. Uh, let's see. How about, How about Ole Miss Auburn? <laughs> I mean, six and a half. It is six and a half. And you took Lane? I took the over, 56 and a half. I think I'm taking Auburn just getting the points. Okay. Because Ole Miss's defense is horrible. Yeah. Um, Auburn has a good defense. Ole Miss will score, but it won't score at will. And I just think that's a big number. I think that's going to come down to the final possession. So give me Auburn plus six and a half. All right. There you go. Those are our picks. You make yours. MyBookie.ag, promo code WordChamp. Oh, also, here's my bonus. Uh, what do you got Clemson Miami at? <laughs> is it three? Uh, oh, I have the other. Which Miami? Uh, yes, three. I like the I like Clemson giving up three points. Okay. Clemson's a favor by I think Clemson's going to win by more than three points. Okay. And then my bonus would be take uh, UCF plus nineteen against Oklahoma. Gus will bring it. Gus will mm. bring it. Mybookie.ag promo code WarChant.
jangling back out of Corey. Wake up. Who remaining on our regular season schedule gives you the most concern? Florida in the swamp, says Jangalang. I think they will give us their best effort and would love nothing more than to spoil our shot at a playoff. Hope for all the bad things in life to happen to them before now and game time. Mm. And he uses the Silky Johnston gif from the Chappelle show to provide context. I hope all the bad things in life happen to you and nobody else but you. Um, Shout out, Dave Chappelle. Uh, Yeah. Regular season, most concern. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think Miami, if Miami's playing, is probably the most talented team left on your schedule. But it's a big if if they're going to still be playing by then. Um, so <laughs> you make it sound like they're going to like stop. They're going to shut yeah, down the program. The program. Well, yeah. done. Um, but if they're still playing, especially if they beat this Clemson team now, um, if they win on Saturday night, which I don't think they will, but if they do. Well, that's going to give them some life, and they'll come into dope feeling pretty good about themselves, and that's going to be a real challenge. Um, because, again, like I said, I just think they're the most talented team. Uh, they have the most weapons uh, on offense that could beat you if Van Dyke is playing well, which is also a big if. But if he's playing well, he's like one of those three-point shooters that can get hot, and next thing you know, he's hit nine. And you're like, well, how? he only hit two last game, and now he's hit nine. If Van Dyke starts feeling it and gets red hot, he's, a, he's tough to deal with. Uh, especially with the weapons he has. So I, those two, the rivalry games, I think, are the two toughest. I would say Duke, I mean, you just you don't know about the quarterback, man. So it's just hard to know. You know, their defense, Duke has the best defense left on the schedule, and it's not close, but I just don't know what their offense is. I'm not trying to dismiss them. I'm not trying to disrespect them in any way. This is a good Duke team. They're ranked higher than both Miami or Florida, clearly, but I just don't know what their offense is going to be. Um, well, let's go and tack this on. Naked Knoll uh, said he watched the North Carolina State-Duke game live. He thinks the result was mostly a fluke. Duke scored on big busts. Yeah. Um, NC State had success running the ball. Where is their offense going to come from? I can't see them scoring more than 17 with or without Riley Leonard on one leg. 13-point line seems like stealing after the Duke defense will have to play 70 snaps by the fourth quarter. Yeah, that, it's a it's a fair point, man. They You know, they, they don't. Riley Leonard at full speed, this is a real game. Like, this is a game where you're like, I, you know, I don't know what the spread would be, but uh, they would have a real ch- – and they still do. But if Riley Leonard can't go, or if he can go and he's limited, that limits everything they have. And you're right. They had like an 83-yard run. Um, they had another big – like a 75-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. Um, they did not sustain anything. And Florida State, lately, knock on wood, has done a good job of not busting and making teams earn their way down the field. And then against Syracuse, they would give up a few first downs in a row and then bow up. They've done a much better job of that here in the last few weeks. So, yes, it's hard to imagine, unless you just give them the ball at your 10-yard line, or they bust a kick return, they block a punt, or Jordan just throws it right to a linebacker's chest over and over again, it's hard to imagine how they're going to put up enough points uh, to beat you, but those things happen in football games. That's what Clemson did. Like, go watch the Clemson-Duke game. I think Clemson outgained – Clemson didn't punt in the second half. And they also didn't score. Yeah. They just wrote, drove up and down the field and turned it over. So that can happen. You know, Duke scored 28 points, but the defense – you know, the offense had like one sustained drive. So that's how you get beat in this game. If the offense – shoots itself in the foot and turns it over and doesn't take care of the football, 
even if the Duke offense doesn't do much, it can do enough to take advantage of getting the ball at your 17-yard line. I don't want to use LSU as the example because that might be a little too drastic. But if if you had a Frankenstein team of Ole Miss's offense and Duke's defense, what do you think the line would be this week? Oh, uh, I mean that's a pick like minus em. three or a pick. Em? Yeah, pick them. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's okay. that would be one of the best teams in the country. That's what's going to beat Florida State. Uh, but I, I don't will know say this, though. Exists. Again, yeah. I, I will say this. I'm giving Duke a ton of credit. They are very well coached. Um, they have played some bad offenses. I don't know where those offenses rank in the country. I can promise you they're not in the top seven in scoring, any of them. So I do think Duke has a very good defense. I don't know if it's elite. Saturday night at 11-15, I'll be able to tell you if it's elite or not, depending on what they do to Florida State. I think, yeah, I mean, well, we'll, we'll let's, just, let's just carry on. we got to get through the show here. Uh, Samari Noel, gentlemen, can an argument be made that Renardo Green is quietly the best player on the team this year? No, but uh, I think you could make an argument he is the be- best player on the defense. Okay. Him and Verse right. are tied, 1-1A one and one maybe. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Renardo, and I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit um, because he just – he even the completions he's given up, and there have been a few, not many, he's always right there. Um, ripping at the ball, jumping at the ball, like he's always right there. Um, uh, he's, been, he's been very, very good. Second question, what is the one thing that keeps this offense stuck in third gear? Corey talks about results of the final score, but this offense is still struggling with consistency to do any one thing good. Thanks, guys. I mean, if Jordan would run more, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's my answer. But, I mean, then it's like, okay, uh, what are you going to do next year? Like, is this this – if that's the only way we can feel great about this offense is to have a, a Jordan Travis running the ball at quarterback, then, I mean, I don't know that you're not going to have another one of those guys. You know, none of, nobody on the roster now is Jordan Travis athletically, and the guys you got coming in are Jordan Travis athletically because who is? Um I think what I think it does if Jordan Travis runs, and it's not something I want to harp on for eight more weeks, it gives you a lot more freedom on third. Like, to know that on third and four, you've got, you've got seven yards in the bag because he can run around people. Instead of having to, like, you make a tight throw in, the, in a window or you have to get pass protection, a QB draw here or there would be really nice. They don't call those at all. But I think, honestly, um, it go to me. It goes to the overall running game. If that, how much you want to include that in Jordan Travis being Jordan Travis being a part of that, because he is clearly um, the running game being established and becoming a dominant force again, like it was at the end of last year. That's what has to happen. The passing mm-hmm. game is much better than it was last year. It's putting up better yardage. It's also got, you know, obviously better players to throw to. Um, the running game is what's been a step below what it was last year. So get that picked up. That probably means Jordan has to keep it once or twice a game or quarter, whatever. But you needed the running game to be picked up a little bit. And then I think that opens up everything. All right, two more. All right, let's do it. I, I had an AMA already. On Wednesday, Aslan, I, I am all I'm sick just of taking about questions from people. Sick of taking if my son asked me a question, <laughs> I, I'm gonna lose it. I, I these are these have been a lot. Uh, wake up, 
No week like Duke week. Amen. Who is the best Duke football player ever? If there are any. That's rude. Huh. Uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, is he giving us options? or, or No. Is he coming over? No, the answer is Sonny Jorgensen. I mean, I guess, man. He was a quarterback in the 60s and 70s. Could he read a really read a defense? You know what's crazy about the days back then? Is the quarterbacks called their own plays. They were like major league catchers. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that like it. Joe Namath was calling the plays? Well, why else would you huddle? It makes sense to me. All right, give me but some time like, to think about it. All right, this is what we're gonna do, guys. Yeah, it's just it's nuts that that like I don't know when it, I don't know who the first offensive coordinator was that wasn't a quarterback. But what they, I want to see a thirty for thirty on that. Like he go they go to the co- head coach like, look, we're not gonna let Joey call plays anymore. He's like, wait, what? We're not. What is this? What is this circus? My quarterback doesn't call plays. I'm going to have somebody on a headset signaling in with a with a Bob Barker picture and a dog in a Olympics ring, Olympic rings. That's how we're going to signal in our plays now instead of letting him just call it in the huddle. Uh, yeah, football was a lot different when Sonny Jurgensen played, I guess is my point. But I is there anybody I, – I, there's got to be, man. They've got to had – I'm going to look it up because I do not want to disrespect Duke football, especially in Duke hate week. Um, so I'm going to look it up. I guess Daniel Jones. Yeah, man. First round pick. But um, he wasn't that good. Well, I'm just trying to answer the question. Anywho, move along. Last one. Seminal Mike one, two parter. I don't know if he's the same guy. It's brought, somebody really wants us to interview Miss Carroll, the administrative assistant for all the coaches. Um, well, he asked, has she been the administrative assistant for all the coaches that have been here? Um, yeah, I don't know. If, I, I, I don't know if she could give us the good dirt. Like I don't know. She's that's probably what makes her great. Is her uh, confidences are always kept. So um, maybe one of these days. But um, I never remember seeing her around when Willie was here. But I know she was here when Willie was here. But she was never around. She wasn't as visible. It seems as she is now. Um, it's Carol season. Some might say. Wake up, Noel Nation! Can't wait to see the atmosphere on Saturday night. Doke is going to be on fire. Maybe we'll get that LED spear plant after all. That'd be great. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but assuming we play well this week, I have to think we are on a collision course with North Carolina. Mike Norvell has had Mac Brown's number over the past couple seasons. Is there something to Mac's coaching tendencies that is favorable to our coaching staff and style? I, I don't know. Um, the the twenty both of those games honestly were inexplicable. Twenty twenty one is just nuts. Even I, I more so, maybe because like. Second half, you were hanging on for dear life. Yeah, you so, just jumped all over them. Yeah. But in 2020. Yeah. In 2021, it was like Florida State got up by three scores, and then Mac just waved a white flag yeah. as if he was facing the 98 Florida State team. It's like, buddy, you can score a lot of points against this defense if you try. But they, they had like a nine-minute drive to cut it to ten with two minutes. It was just bizarre. Um, I I don't know, but he has never had a really good time Maybe uh, coaching against Florida State. Maybe he does indeed fear the spear. Mm. Maybe he just sees it, and there's some sort of psychological voodoo. Like he's been here, he knows what it's about. He still believes in the mystique, you know. Yeah, it could be, could be. I, look, I, I've looked it up. Um, I told you, Mike Curt. I think Mike Curtis is my answer. He was a uh, uh, he. I think he was a Super Bowl winner for the Colts. He played 11 seasons for the Colts. Uh, in two seasons for the Redskins. Sorry. Well, that's what it says here. Right, the Commanders yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and he was a four-time Pro Bowl selection as a linebacker. 
Um, he was also a 65 draft pick. Sonny Jurgensen was a 57 draft pick who got elected to the Hall of Fame in 1983. So, I don't know, man. That seems like more of like, let's get this guy in there. He didn't really earn it. Uh, but, yeah, I guess Sonny Jurgensen's their only Hall of Fame member, so I guess you got to go with that. But when you look at their top ten, man, of just this thing I found on the NFLnetwork.com, they're all people that were drafted pre-1980. Well, that, that list is from, like, 2005, too. He's got Brian Baldinger oh, on it, too, right? okay. All right. Okay, my bad. I didn't know that. Maybe got- Mike Curtis is in the Hall of Fame by now. <laughs> It's got Brian Baldinger on it, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Wonder I wonder how many clicks <laughs> the best Duke football players ever <laughs> got on NFL.com. I think I might have been the seventh. Oh, man. Um, yeah, we are on a collision course, though, with North Carolina and Mac Brown, seemingly. Um, even though I had Virginia, maybe. I almost want to go back and take that Virginia pick. I thought it was going to be in Charlottesville. Um, I mean, this plays more into it. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, what I do know is that we'll have a show live uh, later tonight, 6 o'clock, on YouTube. Corey and myself, that'll be your Friday podcast. So uh, you can listen to it in the car line, running, errands, maybe on the drive up to Tallahassee, maybe on the drive up to Corner Pocket to hang out with Corey Clark and Jeff Cameron on Friday in Tallahassee. So uh, stay connected. Check that out. War Chant Report powered by Cummins also likely to drop on Thursday. I think coach speak is – I don't know why we put two big um, tentpole franchises on the same day, but we just like to shove it down your gullet on a Thursday, kids. <laughs> so take it. What a, what a way to phrase that. Take it. Yeah, um, amen. We'll talk to you. Full matchup analysis coming forthcoming as well over on WarChant.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 at 3 o'clock. He's Corey Maslow. Thanks for listening to Wake Up WarChant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.